We have major changes coming to the Frontier League, both in schedule and in personnel, plus someone staying put. You don't want to miss this episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. back again episode number 240 yeah it's 240 of the most esoteric independent baseball league show he's ryan you know who i am i've been here for 240 plus episodes at this point so but do you have any comments on esoteric um i try not to as a as like a sort of practical sense just because you want don't want to get in the weeds but like I mean, isn't this whole pod esoteric in a way? Like, this is like the niche pod of niche pods. I mean, in theory, I would say, realistically, I probably committed a half-truth in that this is the most esoteric independent ball show because if we're talking about really niche pods of niche pods, I would say the rail ca- the Railcat talk show is far more because they're focusing on one team in particular as we're covering, what, about 50 of them? Which is, in hindsight, probably not the best idea in the world, but you know, it yeah, works. Uh, For yeah. sure, we're dumb. <laughs> well, so I mean, I'm the one who also has a pod and just like hasn't posted much in like two months because I've just been like loading up for an off season, which now it's the off season. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> so, I mean, am I really the esoteric pod? Because I don't even exist. Possibly, but to be fair, there is content, it is loaded. It's just you don't click the up part of the load. I like to do it. Yeah, yeah, I got standards, and uh, as for the usual, I don't reach Okay, there's a whole diversion where you could go on about you having standards, but we're not going to go that route. Although I think the biggest indictment on you having standards is the fact you're on this show regularly. So, clearly yeah. they're not high standards. Fair. Honestly, since we mentioned it, I went into that Gary pod sort of like, Oh, this is going to be like, I don't know, low expectations, as low as possible. And very pleasantly surprised. Really good pod. I, I, I enjoy it. Like, you know, it ebbs and flows like any pod. It's tough to follow a team that has some struggles, brutal for the content front. But man, it's, it, I, uh, I really have found myself enjoying that one. So I'm looking forward to that coming back around. Well, Kyle, take that as a very, I, I take it as like an 80% compliment there. I mean, the low standards part probably wasn't the best compliment in there, but everything else was nice. So, because well, no, I didn't. It took so long for me to even know the pod existed. Just was beyond like my periphery, and then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, like if you know, I have a finger on the pulse for the most part in any ball, and I was like, oh, this could be a, a real garbage fire if this hasn't crossed my radar to this point. And now went into it, and I was very pleasantly surprised. It was really good. It's supposed to be complimentary. Let it be. Let it be complimentary. Let's talk about Pete and Cavalia. Sure, someone has to. <laughs> Valley Cats. That, whoa, 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 whoa. That sounded way meaner than I meant. Hold up. <laughs> You're on a roll no, today. No, 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 no. That was not Any it. comments no, on the WNBA while we're at it? Pete and Cavillia scored like my favorite 4 a.m. run to win a game off the bat of Mitch Williams ever. So, like, calm it down. That was not what I meant. I was oh, just God. saying, like, we sure, someone has to report on it with the joke being like a bunch of people did. and But we kind of talked about it way before everybody else. So it makes me laugh. What I gather from all of this is that we really need a video version of this show that I'm just not committed to doing. But a video version of this show where you could just see my panic because I was like, oh, that sounded bad. 
that's beef I don't need to to drop in the pot, man. Just see a random Ford F two fifty show up in the driveway with Texas plates, and you're like, "Ooh, this is about to go south." Does something smell like dip. <laughs> I don't know if you like that. I don't know. If you, I just assume. My God! Next thing you know, there'll be an iPad flying through the front window. <laughs> you would never keep it and now with with with, uh, with a note on it that says are you using an ipad in there <laughs> it comes through just there's a uh, post-it note on there it says no tech in the fight oh my god yeah. uh, he, 1990 he, he rules see <laughs> he hasn't seen my tweets because he doesn't have a tablet in the dugout oh god so he's like the twitterless sam dexter very much so yes okay well See, the difference between him and the Twitterless Sam Dexter is the Twitterless Sam Dexter still has a job. Uh, Pete's no longer Jeez, the... Uh, hey, and I'm the one who has right. his phone number. But... Uh, like flex. Yeah, yeah, that's the flex I want. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't have a number. In, in, our, in our circle, yeah, kind of. In like the in a world where you can only circle. have a number or not have a number, man. I mean, you have the number. Give him a call. <laughs> <laughs> really right turn this whole pod fine let's bring him on to talk about it. so Pete, why, nope. why did you say part ways fascinating we should have done that we're just damn he would have been like who are you, you <laughs> Where's like, my number where do i know you oh, from you have my number yeah. lose it <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna call him in the middle of his truck ride across texas for the second time but like so how was that scouting trip we talked about in february 95 in cleburne what the hell what's the temperature in cleburne this spot's terrible we have a hard out on this one too uh, boy. Don't worry, we but, got another I mean, hour 18. We're good. Oh, high of 79 today in Cleveland. It's actually beautiful. Damn, just take a trip. Well, Pete may be going down there. Guy. I'm around. Any case, let's try and restart this and get it back on track. With, yeah, uh, why not? So Pete is officially out in Tri-City. He was not fired. The team and Pete mutually agreed to part ways. From the reports that we have that are linked in the show notes, these are the ones that are from the usual cast of characters and suspects that report on the Valley Cats. It sounds very much like Pete was like, yeah, I'm willing to come back. Yeah, I'm willing to come back. Yeah, I'm willing to come back. And then at the end of the year, from the way it ended, and just generally thinking it over, he was like, nah, I'm, I'm kind of good. But he was disappointed in how it ended there, not getting to the postseason, of course. But it was a mutual parting, not a firing. We could speculate further, but this was kind of a thing that we thought was coming for some time. I think a little bit on the not having that figured out front, plus the last couple of years of being in the news, really going back to 21 when he was feuding with Bobby Jones, and then last year, it calmed down. I think last year was actually a pretty good year for him. I don't think he really had too much beef with anybody unless I'm forgetting one. And then this past year, obviously, as we just mentioned with the tablet, uh, the whole tech in the dugout thing with Rockland and stealing signs and that whole jazz. So, you know, that was always headline making. So we were like, eh, maybe this is a thing. And then without a contract, it kind of added on. And then when they put out the statement that they're still working, it kind of led on. And then when the Cleburne job opened up, it was like, well, Pete does like Texas. He lives in Texas. He's managed in Texas previously between Laredo and Sugarland. Cleburne, yeah, not really near the other two, but still a Texas team and still a lot closer to home than Albany, New York. Or I guess technically, was that Albany, Schenectady, or the other one in the Tri-City that I forget about? Uh, Troy, which is where it is. Mm-hmm. So... I knew I was going to get it sooner or later. In any case, it's still a lot closer to home. So there was a lot kind of leading there. Obviously, uh, between that and 
I think one other thing that came out on uh, what was it Thursday when all that came out, and uh, I'm pretty confident you took a victory lap a little bit because I did, which we, is yeah. I try not to do that. I try to like act when I do something professional, like get ahead on a story. I try to like follow it up being professional, but like there's been a couple instances where I don't. I feel like I didn't on this one. Yeah. The, honestly, though, it was deserved. Between this and the other thing that you're taking a bit of a lap on, I was like two That's of them. Guaranteed, yeah. And like to be fair, we've been we were the podcasters mentioned that were speculating about this, which I meant that totally playfully, and I think it was received playfully, so that was good. But like, it just kind of logically it kind of added up that Pete would want to kind of go back to Texas, and the fact there's an opening there too. In a league that, yeah, he's managed him before, but now it's it's a much different league than when he was there in Laredo. So he kind of added up there. So uh, I guess I'll stop talking for a little bit because I realize now I've been talking for like six minutes and I will let you take center stage on this. I mean, I don't have a ton to add. I mean, other than the real point on it, I don't know that it was even... Like, like he kind of sketched out sort of a yeah. scene. We'll look on. I, I'm not sure if you also heard something I didn't hear of the scene of, you know, saying, well, like, I, I think I'll be back. I tend to be back and it didn't come through. Like, yeah. I, my thought is more, you know, the contract, you know, went to the end of the year and they wrote it out to the end of the year. And then he probably, I, I feel like probably have intended to come back. And then the Cleveland job opened. Yeah. I do think that is the likely pull, uh, uh. his direction. There's too many people have cited Cleburne as something as a potential destination for him. Or, I mean, even before this news broke, we were hearing that from sources around. So, I I suspect that was the order of operations here. But yeah. I mean, you say I'm not sure necessarily it matters all that much. Um, I'd like I don't I, I don't think it was a surprise necessarily. I don't know. I'm trying to think that through. Um, I mean, when the contract's not done, when you leave town or like within a week of the season ending for your team. Like, I feel like, you know, there's some mystery to it. I'm, I'm trying yeah. to think of from the, the front office perspective. I, I can't, I can't get a good feel for if this was surprising. I doubt it was surprising. I wonder what the the mood is regarding it. I think, I think you and I both feel like they're probably like, okay, it's not the end of the world essentially. Yeah. Like we were talking about a bit about that in the pre-show where it was, I don't think that they were going to be, you know, happily throwing him overboard. I think if they would have come, like, let's say, for example, the end of the year goes a little bit differently. Maybe not even make the postseason, but not with like that losing streak there. And it's just a little bit happier of an ending. Mm -hmm. Then I think the mood's a bit different. I don't think Pete's taking as much time. I don't think he's waiting to see what happens over in Cleburne. I think they're kind of like, okay, yeah, you know, there's a little bit of a headline that pops up pretty much every year, especially around August. But he's a good manager. I mean, the guy was, what, 159 and 127 in three years? I mean, yeah. in 32 yeah. games above 500, it's a good record. So, yes, it is. And really missing out on the playoffs, essentially, in the last week for, what, two, two of the years or three of the years, all the years? That's still pretty good. It's a hard league to make the postseason in. It's not like, and it's about to be a little bit of shade, but it's not like the American Association where the vast majority of the league makes it. This is a tougher playoff system, arguably the toughest playoff system to actually make the playoffs in across the indie ball. So mm -hmm. it's really, really tough, especially in a year like this where you look at the West, Tri-City's in in the West. If they're a Western mm -hmm. Conference team, they're easy in. 
It's just they had the misfortune of being in a very, very good division with a couple of teams that got really hot towards the end and they had a bad week. And that happens in baseball. You have bad weeks and they just had theirs at the wrong time. But regardless, he's still a good manager. So I think they would have been happy to bring him back. But when it kind of was, you know, the dust was settling, it was kind of a, you know, if he says he doesn't really want to come back, maybe we don't go with the hard sell to get him back. Maybe it's just, a, are you sure that's the decision you want to take? Okay, if that's what you want to do, best of luck to you, kind of a thing. Like, they weren't going to chase yeah, after the, him. Yeah, and I'll be the first to say there's a bunch of conjecture in here. I yeah. mean... Obviously, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's just... Um, it just kind of... You read the room a little... I, at least for me, I'm kind of like... Kind of knowing some of the people involved, I just can kind of like get the sense of... Like, that would be a plausible outcome. It may not be the case, but it's also a bit odd that like... Everybody, as soon as they heard Pete wasn't coming back, immediately said, he's going to Cleburne. And we all just completely <laughs> overlooked yeah. the whole statement from Callahan, the <sighs> VP and GM of the team, where it's just like, Pete doesn't even know if he wants to manage anymore. And we were all like, yeah, no, he's going to Cleburne. <laughs> it is amazing. I mean, he also said, like, oh, we intend to have him back and whatever else in that one statement. And that was the statement that where we saw that, we were like, oh, he's not coming back. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's every time he says something, we're like, okay, and just all agree on something completely different. I think, too, that's uh, a good guy. I like Matt, too. It's yeah, like, no, that's no disrespect to him. It's just, yeah. like, I think but he is good enough to, you know, yeah. put to put a, a damn statement out there. Yeah. Um, and I, <laughs> I do think because maybe it is rare for a statement to be put out in about things yeah. it does make people go oh okay so something's going on exactly you, yeah it's the thing if you come out and go hey nothing's going on like if, if there was so, a white house press briefing and they just go uh thank you we uh, just wanted to say that nothing there's nothing going wrong yep all good nothing nothing to even look at and we're like oh okay so so something's is wrong. there an attack happening <laughs> i always go back to the ways because you know sketch of yeah oh we or <laughs> we went to the moon and there's moon bears and you're like are we bombing the middle east today and they're like oh you got us like uh like it, uh, it's like those 90s movies that's yeah either weirdly transparent like it's usually it's weirdly transparent or like yeah. even just saying like nothing is going on and that's the transparency is enough usually in this industry to be like okay so it's not yeah, it's like there, there's something up here and i agree with that too though. it's just like we don't get statements i was like okay like why are you giving us this like, hell, I'm not even used to getting press releases about important stuff. We literally did not ask. I don't mean that, like, rudely. Yeah. It's like, we just literally did not even, none of us were, like, expecting a statement to be made. But thank you. That's cool. Exactly. Like, And the thing is, too, like, I don't want to harp on it too much. Like, I know we're having fun with it. But, like, I don't want to go too far on it because I'd like to continue to do this because I appreciate the oh, professionalism. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. But what was kind of interesting to me was that they came to the conclusion on Monday and announced it on Thursday. So, like, it was clear that they were kind of yeah. like, okay, take the weekend to think about it. And then he was like, yeah, I think I'm good. And then that was all she wrote. Or you get, like, ducks in a row even, maybe. Um, yeah, could be. To think what that's like. Yeah. Um, yeah figure out what everybody wants to say about it. Get the press release set up. Yeah. So, like, it makes a lot of sense there. And I think at this point, we're kind of like, okay, so Inky to Cleburne. I'm at least wondering, like, okay, who's going to Tri-City? Because they want someone that has independent experience and they prefer managerial experience. So, you know, there's a couple of guys that immediately come to mind. We've mentioned a few of them before. I mean, I know that I have the Deem of the Year candidate 
when someone sent me a, a thing saying, if you can get TJ Stanton and Chris Quitzer up to Tri-City, I'll light fires in the stands, European football <laughs> style, which phenomenal DM should have been a tweet yeah. in and of itself. And I'm kind of tempted to steal it. But uh, I have too high of character to steal a tweet like that, uh, even though I, I really don't. But still. Uh, Do I care or not enough characters? <laughs> That's good content. It sure is. It's another big old gulp of seltzer. Let's go. <laughs> seltzer. Oh, thank God Will's not on the show anymore. He, he'd be disgusted with you. Running down the Celsius today. Your boy's on vacation right now. On vacation, goes to North Carolina last week. On vacation this week, going to Florida next week. My God, here's the flex. I was supposed to be in Hawaii right now, and then we decided to bang that trip, which is like it sounds like we're balling, even though really it's not. It was a work trip, but hey. But that's the one. We're like, yeah, we decided just not to go to Hawaii. Sounds like wow. How well is this indie ball guy doing? Really well. well. See, those ads that he's that. running, they must be making a lot more money. My projected ad total wasn't enough for me to run ads because I have too high of character to do that. My ads just, my only ads are just me mentioning that I hammer seltzers during most pods. What brand? Or beers, depending on the day. Depends on the vibe. We need to know the brand. I'm flexible. I'm open to the highest bidder. All right. So w- would you be open to some? Loot. So are high noons or white claws acceptable? Uh, nooners, sure, but they're expensive, man. If they're gonna send me some freebies, sure. Yeah, dude, you tell like me they're that. like, like sixteen bucks for an eight pack or something, like nineteen for eight pack. Like, what the hell is going on here? You know, I'm now understanding why the one round I bought in Boston, I was like twenty seven. Hmm, that seems high. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, oh, how about that? <laughs> What's happening in this country? I was like, we used to be a country. <laughs> we used to make stuff in this country, build stuff. <laughs> Oh my um, god! But in any case, who's Tri City going to have to build the future of their franchise? How's that for a segue? Oh man, um, you go with this where you want. And I'll follow you there. So I feel like there's really two ways to do this: either one, they could poach someone that's already on a team, or mm-hmm. two, they could just go total wild card here. And uh, normally, I would say, like in a situation. I could see a team going from from a really well respected guy, a guy that's I think pretty good at his job, but probably costs a little bit more than the average manager. They may say, you know what? Maybe we go ahead and we we take more of a and I hate to phrase it like this, but it's the way that comes to mind. More of a pander to the crowd type of manager. The mm-hmm. the approach some teams certainly have done in the past and did not work out well for them. I could definitely see that being it, but Tri-City strikes me as too professional to try that. I think they value winning, which I definitely appreciate. I I agree. I agree with that feel. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think they would go for someone that has, you know, no experience as a manager. They say it's preferred, but I feel like that's kind of the, you know, we prefer you to have a degree in the field that we're working in. Using that kind of logic, I feel like it's got to be someone that's managed indie ball in the past. I don't know who that is. I think they're flexible on league. I think they'd rather have someone that kind of knows the general vibe of indie ball that's worked with roster restrictions in the past, maybe mm-hmm. has a little bit of a track record. And uh, I think they would like, and this is just pure speculation at this point, I think maybe someone that's more East Coast, I think they may like that a little bit more. 
Yeah. Um, I, it's funny. I'm, I'm thinking a weird thought, which is the importance of the local media. And I don't really know the full situation up there, but like yeah. Tri-City is probably the best covered team by local media of, I think, any indie ball team. That includes minor league teams, which have some good coverage out there. But And maybe quarterback um, beats them out. But yeah, they're definitely. Oh, yeah, you're right. They're, you're they're right. One, it's a 1A, 1B type situation. Yes. Um, but I see it as like a market where if they were to sign that guy who is more like pandering to the crowd, they wouldn't like, it. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, they couldn't sneak that through. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like if you sign certain managers in certain towns and they're just like, they just say his resume, like he used to play MLB, played for a local team, like did this or that. Like, I feel yeah. like Tri-City is one you couldn't slip that through. Like, honestly, I'm thinking of Staten Island and not Homer Bush. I like Homer, but um, yeah. I, I do. Fonzie, think, yeah, wasn't a um, great one. Yes, exactly right. Um, that That's where my head's at. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that it, it almost forces their hand to go more legitimate. I'm trying to think of who. I mean, I, I still don't know what Manicotti's up to. I mean, hell, he was in Frederick, and now that's teams on hiatus. Spire um, City, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, Don't disrespect the ghost towns like that. PJ. PJ. I mean, I'm telling you, Brett Jody rumors. That's the thing. He's probably a fit elsewhere on the East Coast. You know, I think we both jumped to Tri City for him, but yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily the, the fit that he'd be looking for. Yeah, I just wonder for him if he wants to. There's two parts of it that make me wonder about him. Like obviously the name comes up, but. Hey, I'm not sure if he wants to keep working with the roster restrictions. They're different, obviously, from American to Frontier. But if he were to go back to, say, the Atlantic League or something like that, you wouldn't have to worry about that. And I think the American Association would be more willing to start to loosen up roster restrictions, at least in the near future, than the Frontier would be. Uh, so that's firstly. And secondly, I also wonder if he wants to go to the frontier level, which is another new league. Yeah, you're closer to home, but I feel like if he was going to leave to go anywhere, it'd be like, okay, what openings do we have in leagues? I know I feel like would be the case here. Yeah. Um, I'm also, I mean, we haven't had any confirmation Homer speaking of Homer Bush is coming back. True. I mean, that True. could be a fit. I mean, you know, he's got that mm. familiarity in that region while also having, honestly, a pretty good managerial track record. Like, yeah. he would do well with limited resources in the draft leagues. He would do well with limited resources again. I think I, I think we were both pleasantly surprised by his effort. Like, there were some, oh, yeah. Definitely. It, was, it was tough in the beginning of the year, but he, I mean, they picked it up. Um, so it does make me wonder a little bit, you know, what his situation is. It's, uh, for Staten Island's communication style, I mean, they might already intend to have Mac and say anything about it, but like, mm. I mean, they were seven games below 500 in the second half. I mean, it's not spectacular, but I think that's it's better than better. they've ever done in a half. That um, and they were playing better. That's the thing too. Like just yeah, eye test wise. Very they competitive. Were, they were yeah. playing very competitive ball. Yeah, exactly. And from a guy that's what, was he first year overall manager or was he just first year in indie ball manager? Because I know- Indie ball, he did do draft league before. Okay, so he had some experience with roster building, but so he he did one year in Mahoning Valley, so not much. Yeah, so still for for a fairly green manager, seventy five record is trash. But if we look at it, like he did improve throughout the year. He was starting out with a bad situation in Staten Island, which basically required a full rebuild. Yeah. Um. And he's working on limited connections, which now is a, a. mightily improved situation for him mm-hmm. um i think i 
regardless of where he ends up or if he comes back to Staten Island, I would officially put in a stamp of like endorsement on Homer Bush. I think he could be a very good indie ball manager. Oh yeah. Like I would trust him a lot. Uh, he showed mm-hmm. a, an awful lot there. And I, the amount of complaints you were hearing out of Stan Island guys also dropped significantly this year. Like I really didn't. <laughs> yes. I didn't really hear much true. of it. So like, obviously again, going from a situation where you had a guy that I don't think really understood how to coach independent leaguers uh, because they are, it is a different, style of managing you have to do so obviously when you go from a bad situation to just like hey this is how it's supposed to be done you're gonna see a reduction there but even overall it seemed like guys liked him and the way they were playing Uh and continuing to fight if you have a manager you really don't like you're not gonna play that hard so you know that tells me a little bit something about how guys think about him as a person too yeah I understand that Homer Bush isn't like a long time Yankee, by the way. I'm not yeah. oblivious to that fact, but I don't know. I mean, he even has like some good, at least Northeast roots with the, uh, he, that extended stay in Toronto for a few seasons there, if I remember right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. He's definitely, a so he could also be a frontier league fit. I don't know where he lives these days, but he's from the Midwest, mm. which is something you don't think about. Cause you do see him as a Northeast guy usually, but I don't know. Thoughts, but that's not the topic at hand. Uh, I don't know who tries to do was going to go, man. It's, it's a yeah. really interesting situation yeah. like that. I really, like, I feel like they want someone to be willing to stay in the general, uh, just northeast area, or mm-hmm. preferably in capital region, just because I think, as an organization, they want to be able to use their team year round in that community sense. They they're a well ran org, and if you can keep yeah. the manager around, it kind of helps a little bit in that regard. You can do a little bit more community work when you have them there. Even if it's just mm-hmm. like fan events at the ballpark, it's helpful if you have that guy there. And, you know, Pete, I think you would rather be at home in Texas, which understandable if you're away from your home for like four months. And then even in the off season, you're going away for weeks at a time to do scouting events. I, I totally get it. But it's a lot easier to get someone for like a, hey, I need you for three hours on Saturday while we do this fan thing if they live 25 minutes away versus if they live, you know, seven hours away. So I, I feel like that may be a selling point as well. And again, speculation, but it just feels like the kind of thing that would make sense. Alex Rodriguez. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Oh, my God. I mean, Carlos Beltran's looking for a manager job. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Bartolo Colon Never lives forget. in New Jersey now, so maybe him. Oh, Bartolo. I would love that. Low key, though. I, I mean, I'm not saying that's at all the right move for anybody, and oh, that's no. not what he wants to do, I'm sure. But I love the energy. Well, I mean, he's he's currently with that uh, Baseball United thing, which I'm sure at some point we'll talk about. Oh, we about. do need to have a conversation about it, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that, but like, I see everybody involved, and I'm like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something, there's something about it where I'm just like, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it, but this seems a bit, uh, but weird. Something. Yeah, it's it's something. But yeah, I guess to wrap up Tri City Talk, because there is other stuff we got to get to, and I want to try to manage some clock here. Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting turn of events. I think we kind of saw maybe Pete moving on. There's there there's definitely names to throw out there. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw you know someone else that was more of an assistant for a while maybe go in there you know it's a name that just came to my mind and this will be the last name i say before we move on to talking about uh, the frontier league schedule but would a guy like jared lemieux be willing to go 
back out east and stop managing uh, Lake Erie and go up to uh, Tri-City? Um, and you know what? I just realized something. We overlooked the most obvious candidate, and I'm sure we had a handful of Jackal fans yelling at us for, how can you not mention this dude's name? Mm-hmm. The guy that's on the staff right now, Brooks Carey. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, <laughs> Brooks, he checks a lot of the boxes. I can't yeah, believe we didn't um, think yeah, of Yeah, you'd have to fear that would be the lead option. That's dumb that we didn't even think of it. I, we yeah. overthought the hell out of that one. Yeah, that would have been embarrassing after uh, all that. Brooks geez. gets announced next week. You catch that in editing, like, oh no, I've had that moment. <laughs> oh yeah, that's like, where you cut and go. Edit something in here and be like, all right, look, obviously, obviously this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's where you'd say uh, that's the cover your ass in the edit where you pop in and go. It was just so obvious we didn't even think to mention it. You know? Yeah, we it figured everybody singing. would assume. <laughs> we were just going on uh, the if he doesn't Jesus. want it, you know. <laughs> That's oh, so God. bad. Yeah. That's not our best work. That's not great. Thank God I thought Jared Lemieux, which led me to other Jackal staff members. Right. Yeah, got away with one there. Got Thank you, Jared. One. I appreciate it. Really, man. really left one out of the plate, but we got away with it. Fouled, yeah. fouled it off. We're no Orlando Arcia. Oof. Uh, Oof. But yeah, so there's a lot of candidates out there. We kind of expect Pete to resurface fairly soon, but who knows? Maybe he's actually legit about taking a year off. Maybe. That's how we all feel. So, want to talk about some Frontier League scheduling? Yeah, sure. All right. Popping this up. Because <laughs> there's, there's a lot. So, I'm not sure where you want to go with it. So, I'm like, I'm prepping the, the, the multiple screens on my end. Oh, damn. He's got multiple screens. He's a professional. Hey, man. Talk about it. Look, this is why I'm practically sponsored. <laughs> Truly. Get the man some bumper <laughs> stickers. I'm sure Truly I won't a get a great podcast. <laughs> Truly a pseudo-drunken podcast. Oh, God. So there's 16 teams in the Frontier League now, as in 16 actual teams. New England comes in to replace Empire State. Season's going to start May 9th. It's going to end September 1st. Keeps it nice, clean, and easy. Uh, scheduling's a little bit different. We're going to have four series against divisional opponents. Two are going to be at home. Two are going to be on the road. That goes for everybody. Two series at opponents in the opposite division. Uh, two teams, that's going to be on the road. And then another two series against opposite division opponents that are going to be at home. Again, that is against two teams. So essentially, uh, you're playing four series against four teams in total from the other division. So you're going to see four West teams if you're in the East. If you're in the West, you're going to see four East teams. All right. And that see them like total, right? Not just like at home. Like you are only playing half the other division. Yes, that's correct. So yeah, that's where that's where then that that comes in on the they need an alternative to the travel. Um, their their travel issue. I, I for one don't like that. Well, I, no. no, I'll let you take it. Take it. I will get there. We will get there. Yeah. So uh, only other points uh, as far as scheduling goes of the year is again going to be division only. Do like that a lot. Uh, I think it definitely helps with the playoff races. Uh, All-Star game is in Quebec. That's confirmed now uh, that we've kind of known about it for a while. I think since last All-Star break uh, from the one Quebec piece. But now it, we finally have a piece of actual league-ran or league-promoted material that now has the All-Star break put on there. It is July 15th through 18th. It is in Quebec. It is Monday through Thursday. So that is uh, something of interest, and if you want to start booking your Quebec City hotels and plane trips, you can do so now. That is 
on the official schedule there. So uh, I will circle back to the thought you just had about playing the teams in the other division. And here's the way I kind of feel about it. Obviously, as a guy that lives within about 45 minutes of three Frontier League teams, and if we want to expand that circle to about two hours, probably about four or five, I'm a bit disappointed. I kind of like being able to see all the teams from the West that I can't regularly see. That being said, I also understand that, you know, there's definitely some pressure to reduce travel. And so this is still at least a way where you see some opposite division opponents. I do think it does harm the competitive balance a bit because now it really plays into if you're in a weak division, you have an easier road to the playoffs. That said, at least you're still seeing four teams on the other end. I just wish we could have done this a little bit better. I wish we could have done something about this to, uh, you know, get more teams out east or out west, depending on where you're at. Just because I, I like being able to show off the diversity of the league. I like being able to see the different teams. I like being able to, you know, be able to market like, hey, these guys are from way out there. They came all the way in. And I think on some level, it adds a little bit of credibility to, you know, People that are baseball fans but may not be following the league, if they're just, you know, happen upon a league and they see teams from like Missouri or Indiana or Illinois, then they're like, hey, you know, they're coming all the way from pretty much flyover country to New Jersey. There's got to be something to this league. You know, that's a pretty wide net. And for like these kind of no name leagues, they wouldn't do that. They just have teams from like 15 miles away. So I do think it does that a little bit. That being said, they have come out east a couple of times. It's just like you did that in 22 and 23. So I was really kind of hoping we could have gotten that in 24 and at least had three years of being able to see these teams and make sure that every market sees every team for a couple of years there to really hammer that home. I don't think it really hurts the legitimacy of it. I just feel like it's a bit of a missed opportunity to really hammer that point home that, hey, this is a legitimate league. And at the rate they're growing, it feels like they could really kind of I don't want to say monopolize the market, but kind of take that like sub tier of independent ball that I feel like them and the Pioneer League and a couple others are on. Like it's clear that the top two are the American Association and the Atlantic, but that next level is still wide open. I feel like the Frontier could just really wipe the floor by just hammering home how big they are and how well ran they are. Because by and large, they seem to have it together. Now, individual members, you know, that's a little bit more touch and go. That's a case-by-case basis. But as a league themselves, they seem to be doing a pretty decent job. Yeah, um, I have thoughts. I mean, I do, I, I agree with the, it's good to get teams in front of fans that, or at least customers from, you know, different, more exotic locales, for lack of a term. I mean, I think, consciously or subconsciously and correct or incorrect um it it speaks to um you know large footprint it typically would strike people as okay large footprint large talent pool like mlb pulls from anywhere in the world like got the best of the best um there's some leagues out there that really pull from more local you know situations and that you know seems to be reflected in the talent pool so I think that's good. Um, I understand, and it's uh, it's good, and I think that's a shame that they're losing some of that. I, I understand where they're coming from. I understand the burden of the travel and the travel costs. I totally feel that. Um, 
um, Brooks Carey is the lead for Tri City as the text message I got. Okay. Um, just gonna drop that one in now. Thank um, God I had that epiphany moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I sent that text. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's funny. Um, I was oh. like, I'll hear from that in three days or five minutes. Okay. Um, back to what I was saying. I, I do understand, uh, you know, being in a front office for a time, I do understand like the just how expensive travel is and the burden that is and how. Even last off season, uh, about this time, there was talk among front offices about, yo, we got to do something about this. Um, our guest was in conversations with Tri-City and the league when they were extending that contract that they probably talked about that as well because they even mentioned it, I think, in that article. So this has obviously been a priority and I understand the need to reduce cost. Um, how, however, yeah. If you wanted to have the same team cycle through your ballpark all year, you could have stayed the Can-Am League. Mm. Like, financially, that's part of it. I understand. Mm. I'll say this. Part of me, a big part of me understands. The other little voice goes, yeah, but you knew what you signed up for. Yeah. Now, with that signing up, it might have been, you know, figured like, hey, we're going to have some first situation like this. And at first, I'm like, that's ridiculous that they don't have this. Like, you're not playing every team in your league. The other part of me goes, well, we, uh, the most of the country respects SEC football and SEC football. You play until next year, I guess. You play your division, everyone in your division, and you play half the other division, basically. And everyone's like, yeah, cool, that's fine. <laughs> so, uh, again, it might feel weird because it's based on you have 96 games to make it work. But realistically, you have 96 games. It's really only 32 series. So if you think about it, you have a 32-game schedule where you got to hit uh, all the teams in your division more often than the other division, but you've got to try to get to every team that is uh, in a 16 team league. That is pretty challenging when you, you spelled out that way. So I still that to say I'm coming around. I think I'm okay with it. I don't love it. I, I think it speaks to where they're heading as a league. I think that, that vision of a 20 team league someday, I think speaks mm -hmm. to maybe more of a situation where it is almost entirely two leagues where you, you don't play much in a league. Um, but yeah, I hope you know, I feel like I've given the the Pioneer League a hard time for not playing everybody in their league, and maybe part of that is because you only have ten teams. Um, I understand the travel challenges out there as well, but like it is ten teams. It's like come on, man. Um, I, I do, as I think it through, I can get on board with it. It's just, it feels like I, it was just a hard take from somebody who did not like the interleague scheduling switch in Major League Baseball. I get that, but that's never what this was. So. Uh, I'm obviously feeling pretty conflicted, but I think on the whole, I'll be okay with this. It's not a ground. It's not going to throw an asterisk in for me as long as we don't end up. And I think we're almost guaranteed to not have as bad of a scheduling situation as like our playoff race is being determined by how many times you played Empire State. Like that alone is going to legitimize the playoff system a little bit more. And it's already a difficult one to get into. So we'll mm. see. But all right. Long way around. I think I'm okay with it. It's mm. just a head go to therapy I, with myself first yeah i'd also say it is better than the scheduling in the atlantic league where oh, god it just, better get that right this year where it's just like okay just randomly you're gonna go to gastonia then you're gonna go back home then you're gonna go back down there a week later like just random uh, yeah. things it's like why do i know and teams just not playing each other like well uh, i think lexington long island didn't play each other this year something stupid like that like, i think what? they may have played each other but i don't think they went to lexington if i remember right it was it was something silly. It yeah. was and like, like a couple teams this? just straight up did not play. Like <laughs> they had the banger of like, I know they're in different divisions, but like 
Spire City and Southern Maryland did not play each other. I was like, okay. Same state, got to play each other. <laughs> they don't played care. six times, I think, and I think never at one ballpark. I'm like, okay. Same state, uh, got to play each know. other in each ballpark. Don't care. Got to do you it. You guys can do this. Yep. Anyway, it drives me nuts. But yeah, yeah. Just, uh, Atlantic League is better than the Atlantic League, and hopefully the Atlantic League improves. We're going to be positive. But yeah, Frontier League, I've, I'm okay with it. I like um, it. it, it does, I do like the point made, though, about going to the 20 team league. It feels like this is getting ready for the pod scheduling, which I think is really mm-hmm. kind of the, the happy compromise for everybody to just go to the pods and get it done with already. Um, but that's obviously a few years off. That said, and this is a conversation that I don't think I want to have now, but I feel like it's more for deeper into the off season when we start getting to November, December, January, because it's more about where do we go from here? And mm-hmm. I do wonder if we're going to reach the point where we start having interleague scheduling. And I do wonder if that's kind of a part of it. And I know that there's a lot of issues with that on several different levels, but regionalism at a certain point is going to become the most cost-effective way of doing things. And they're going to reach the point where cost-effectiveness is going to have to start taking a larger priority. And I just don't know when that point's going to be. And if that's the case, then a schedule like this, and I know this is a horrible overreaction to it, but scheduling this kind of gets you ready for, you're not going to see the teams that are traditionally part of your league, teams that you would play in the playoffs, but you still at least get to see some of them come through and you get to see different names and faces. I, I feel like I'm really coming around more and more, and not even really just because of the scheduling, just in general, coming around more and more to the idea of having more regionalized setups as opposed to formalized leagues. Yeah, I still don't buy it. I still don't think it's going to ha- I'm in. I agree. I just don't think it's going to happen. Like My, my minute-long thing on it is, like, and I think I've said it before, it is the number of things have to come together. Like, okay, the Pioneer League is probably not involved because who's going to go out there unless it's the far end American Association. The American Association and the Frontier League probably could make something work because they both seem to be trying to troubleshoot some travel stuff. Um, the Atlantic League does not seem willing to share with anybody. And also, all this would require a change in roster restrictions across all leagues. And uh, owners, we can tell, are pretty dug in on those roster restrictions very often. I mean, not dug in in the way they won't change it, but dug in into like, you know, they're very aware of the cost impact that roster uh, limitation changes seems like the, the connection between roster limitation changes and, and cost. And finally, on that, we are again in the third offseason of the Atlantic League and Frontier League having odd number teams, and they at no time decide to switch uh, organization for any amount of time, even for a year at a time to solve that, even though their footprints basically kiss each other on the West side and on the North side, like it, they're what about the East side. I, they can't make anything work already in a way where it would be a massive convenience to both while maybe being an inconvenience to one or two organizations. I just, I have no, maybe the Frontier in American could figure something out. I see that the American Association already is willing to work with the leagues for their league, whatever that was called, the international tournament they just did. The uh, Champions Baseball League. So that gives me hope. But I think the Ameri- I think the Atlantic League will always be an issue. I think the Pioneer League's location will always be an issue. So I think our only hope is the American and Frontier starting it. And then maybe someone like, again, more likely the Pioneer would get involved because it would be, I think, some positives in that for them. 
again like the but only thing helping any of the travel the <laughs> only thing i could say about that is i don't think anyone really pays much mind to the pioneer league they're kind of doing their own thing i think they're happy doing their own thing and they can make it work like that and we've talked about the need to restructure some of these teams out west and kind of like okay it's time to stop playing games and let's get the good teams all into one league and actually solidify things so like mm-hmm. the the west is what the west is the yeah. central part I think they're willing to play ball, and the fact they already have roster restrictions, I feel like they could, there's a compromise that could be reached there, especially if you take the approach of the Western Frontier League has different priorities from the Eastern Frontier League, because the East feels like it's spread out a little bit more. There's very much like, okay, we have the New York-New Jersey cluster, and then Canada. Versus, all right, over in the other part, it's like, yeah, there's some distance here, but like outside of the Chicago cluster, everybody else is like, okay, there's a clear cut path to how this is going to get done. So they fit in there. I feel like the East would be more willing to go with, say, individualized teams that currently are in the Atlantic League. And I phrase that in a certain way because, you know, the Atlantic League, we're trying to be positive, but I won't be for a moment. The Atlantic League has some issues. And, you know, at what point? Do those issues start become, you know, overwhelming for certain parties involved or certain parties feel like they're not getting their voices heard? And yeah. if that's the case, then, you know, I could see a situation where it's like, look, we need you to meet us halfway because we want to be able to do our own thing, but we don't have enough teams to do our own thing. So if you could help us out, hey, that'd be great. I could see something like that at some point. Do I think it's anytime soon? No. Do I think that it's a very thin possibility? Yes. Is it likely? No. I just think that it's not the kind of thing you rule out entirely. That's all. Sure. Uh, I just Like I said, I think it's a very thin possibility. Very thin. Yeah. I still there better just, be a yeah. Hard and obvious profit advantage for the Atlantic League if you're going to do anything. <laughs> yeah. I think it would take a mixture of profit being higher than it is now and just dealing with the people that are currently in the room is just no longer tenable. Yeah. It's worth noting, by the way, the Frontier and Atlantic League also have the most similar roster restrictions. They're very close. Yeah. They have the same system of like rookie, veteran type thing. It would just take a little bit of adjustment of the specifics and they'll be basically overlapped. Exactly. Like, I just see there, there's a pathway, I think, to making that be a thing. But, mm-hmm. in any case, uh, any and other. The Frontier f- has already shown willingness to combine. They don't see it as. They see opportunity in it. So. That, and also, there's experience in combining schedules and working with uh, non league teams in the Frontier League. Look at the Can Am League refugees. They know what that's like. <laughs> now, maybe they're not wanting to do that again, but they certainly yeah. have some experience dealing with it. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. So, uh, that said, any other scheduling thoughts? Maybe thoughts on All Star Quebec, which we already kind of knew about. Sounds good. Go get my passport in order. We'll see if they let me up there. And um, I don't know, man. I, I like I like it's early. I like they have a schedule out already. I'll tell you that much. It's yeah. a good sign. It's always a good sign for a league, man. They know who's in the league and they know what the schedule looks like. Wish you there for everybody. Yeah. Which I will say, it does throw a little bit of cold water on all our uh, league hopping talk. Yeah, well... For now. I mean, for now. <laughs> it just tells us it won't be 24. Um, That's all that tells us. Yeah, then, but I mean, we knew that once once Brockton 
became a thing. We knew. Yeah. Plus, I mean, like, let's be real, too. Would they be that against changing up the schedule if they get the right fish in? Maybe that fish isn't open. There's a way to do it. Sponsored by Truly. (laughs) And on that note, (laughs) we need to talk a little bit about Sioux City because they have their whole... I have to let that transition exist. Uh, Sioux City, as we're talking about league hopping, we had a lot of doubt about Sioux City just from the way people talked about it. From the situation that exists in the recent history regarding ownership in the city fighting over seating, which is very stupid, but it was a thing nonetheless. It looks like we have some resolution on the on the horizon. City Council voted 5-0 to begin negotiations with the team. Mayor Bob Scott called it business as usual, although this certainly did not feel that way. So, mm-hmm. you know, what else are you going to say? Uh, it seems like currently the big divide is the team would like to have a 12-year lease. The city is more like, how about five? And that's kind of what mm-hmm. needs to be the case here. Growth needed in the attendance, capital improvements, and community engagement area. If you want to see the lease that the explorers are proposing, that's linked in the show notes. It's in the article. You could read through it. Some interesting things I thought are seen in there. I saw $150,000 a year in stadium maintenance number. Uh, some potential upgrades coming to the third base sidelines. So that could be something of note there. Uh, $400,000 worth of upgrades since 2016, although I believe most of that was uh, video board wiring. So that's that. Um, and apparently $325,000 a year in goods, services, and daily maintenance. I take daily maintenance to kind of mean, you know, just the kind of thing that regular staff can do. You don't have to call in a specialist to handle it. Um, yeah. And then goods uh, and services, I imagine that's labor and then just, you know, uh, team store stock, food stock, um, general things along those lines, schedules, and that kind of thing. You know, operating expense, essentially. Uh, mm-hmm. And then apparently they've had 800,000 fans since 2010, which for over a decade, it doesn't seem like it's that high of a number. Yeah, what was that number again? Uh, I saw 800,000 fans since 2010. Yeah, that's what? 11 seasons, 12 seasons? How many seasons are there? 12, I believe, because they didn't play in 20. I believe they played in 21, though. So, I mean, it's not not amazing. Yeah. Like, I'm not wrong there, right? That's less than 80,000 a a year. I mean, that's about 1,200 per game. I mean, it's not terrible. Not terrible. Nice. At the same point. Nailed that. See, like, Here's my problem with that. If it was 12,000 consistently, then that's not mm-hmm. bad because it's showing like, okay, we got our core base. We know what we're doing. We market to them and we appeal to them. Fine. That includes some 300 person Wednesday nights. Yeah. See, my problem is like it used to be you could draw like 1,200 on a okay night, but like you could average a bit high. You could average 2,300. 3,200 fairly easily. And then over time, attendance has ticked down. If you look at the trends, it, it's gone down notably. And I get it. We're starting it towards the back half of a recession there, counting wise. But like, still, I just feel like that number is a little low, which then also would, you know, resonate with the city council saying we need growth in attendance. So that definitely is, uh, Something to note there. I think that disparage, uh, that discrepancy rather, in uh, years between the two sides is something that I want to watch for. 
Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm curious about how this went. I'm curious about if this was, you know, they have disagreements on some of the finer points, but then when it came down to it, they both were like, well, you know, if you're the team, obviously uh, having a ballpark is necessary. And if you're the league, you know, having that team in there rather than, you know, an alternative is a big deal. So like when push comes to shove, like they're not so, I, I guess what I'm wondering is there, if it was a situation where they, you know, had disagreements and issues, but at the end of the day, they both know they kind of need each other. Or if it was something like Sioux City was kind of feeling themselves, so like, well, we'll bring someone else in here. And then they saw the other offer was like summer college ball. And they're like, oh, oh, okay, no. Yeah, summer <laughs> college ball offering right to pay to a those. fraction of what uh, Sioux City is offering to pay. Well, and here's the weird thing. Like, I don't think the Explorers have the leverage in, in the year's conversation because, yeah. you know, no ballpark is no ballpark. Mm. But, I mean, they the the city no longer seems to have leverage the same way because now we know that the other offer was not really interesting at all. And, you know, politicians having to justify an empty ballpark in the middle of town is a tough scene, um, especially when there are fans. And, you know, it, I, now I think it's more of a, an even playing field here for negotiating. And it, that should be that should be a good thing for the explorers that hopefully sets them up in a favorable spot moving forward here instead of, you know, being over a barrel to the city and hoping for the best year fighting a losing battle. I agree with that, although I feel it's more like now when two kids are arguing on the playground and it's like, look, if a teacher steps over here, they're both going to lose because neither right. one has that leverage where it's like, okay, can't have the empty ballpark, but you need to be in the ballpark kind of a thing here. But I feel like the city still kind of has the high hand in the sense of, look, if you're not here, we could just replace the stadium with something else or pull what I've coined a bridge port, which is you turn your baseball stadium into an amphitheater. And I don't really know what else there is as far as in Sioux City. I know there's a hockey arena that they have a USHL team in. But, you know, I feel like you still probably pull a handful of acts in there, especially in the summer. You can have other things in there. It's going to cost the city more money because they're going to be the ones that get stuck paying to do the upgrades or hiring somebody or leasing that stadium out to a company that's going to run it. So, you know, it's going to make them do more work to go that route on it. But if you're not getting a term you want, hey, you could always go that route. I don't think it's a good idea. I'm obviously not in favor of it. Someone that's doing baseball is not going to be in favor of removing baseball. But, you know, if there is always that card. There's always the take my ball and go home card and just promise mm-hmm. like, look, this is what we had to do. And... I feel like you could always kind of get off the hook, at least for minor league sports. Major league's a different part of the pun, ballpark, when it comes to city funding. But I feel like the the card of, look, it was going to cost too much taxpayer money to make that deal. Or it would be bad for the citizenry to make this deal. I feel like that holds a little bit more weight in cases like this. Yeah, I agree. You can usually push back the other way, but still, I think it's a at the very least, it's a better situation than it seemed to be based on the way people were talking oh, right. about it around the situation. I mean, there were some very, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Very, I, I, you don't know what you're talking about. It's going to yeah. be fine. And I was like, okay, yeah. A lot of people say that, especially when it's like an employee who's saying that because, of course, they'll tell you that. But like, yeah, no one wants to say they're we'll going to lose a job. Yeah. Exactly. And everyone's being told they're going to keep a job, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, as I have learned in yeah. a certain other team, now I'm not paying their bills, but whatever. <laughs> uh, oh, we'll get to God. them in a minute. 
Yes, we will. But yeah, so overall, good for Sioux City, though. I would agree with that, too. And it definitely seems like it's done a 180. It seems like right when everyone was juking, they went ahead and jived. So, you know, good for them. Yeah. And hopefully this is, this sort of kicks off maybe a, a bit of a revitalization. Yeah. A uh, re-energization. Uh, that's, that's an attempt. Re-energizing? Um, yeah, sure. Because <laughs> uh, we talked about before trying to read some tea leaves before we started getting some more reporting on it. Like, you know not great signs around that organization. So yeah. it'd be good to see, you know, over this next, whatever it is, five, 10, 12 years, like a really good concerted push back to, to really connecting to the community and getting a, a consistent fan base in there. It'd be good. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's a good way of phrasing it, where they need to kind of like the, it's almost like a wake up call to it where it's like, Hey guys, you haven't really done much here. Let's, let's get it going. Let's, mm-hmm. let's pick it up. And that hopefully that's what this is. And honestly, I think, I feel like a seven-year lease is probably what gets done. I can see something like that, and then just some yeah. concessions elsewhere. I'm going to be interested to see how uh, those capital improvements go and what uh, what clause that is, because I think that speaks volumes there too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Shifting gears to the Atlantic League now, uh, just a couple of wrap-up awards. We'll just touch on them briefly, and we'll move along from there. As we know, someone on this show does their own awards, although we're still waiting on them. So, also true. And also someone time maintenance and has now officially a hard out in about 25 minutes. Yes. Sorry about that. Hey, so, whoops. But, hey, at least you also have two trees that need to get planted. So that's a positive, too. Oh, good God. You're <laughs> 50 off, though. Uh, Any about case. money for revitalization efforts. You're revitalizing your yard, and that's important. You know what else is important? To know that Melvin Mercedes is Defensive Player of the Year. Andretti Cordero mm-hmm. is also the Player of the Year. And the Pitcher of the Year mm-hmm. award got split between Zach Mort and Nick Riquette. Yeah. Yeah. Got any thoughts? Mercedes makes sense for the player, Defensive Player of the Year. We've mentioned this before. There's no real good way to judge this. So he's got the good reputation about it. He seemed like a solid defender. Good for him. Cordero, I understand why he went that way. I don't really think there was any runaway candidates. I'm not really upset with him. He had a good batting average and he had RBIs, so I guess that was good enough. And nobody else really was like, I think that's standout-ish for player of the year, so good there. I hate splitting awards like player of the year. Just either give it to Mort or give it to Raquette. I'm good with either way on that. So um, Good for Nick Raquette, though. He had a really solid year all the way around, so real happy on that front. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't really got a big issue with um, the, the pitching award. I mean, not to get too in deep on it. It's just um, they were the great seasons. I think we can both vibe with them, yeah. you know, hitting that point. Um, I think Gunnar Kynes probably could have been in the, in the conversation as well. Fair. Uh, yeah, really underrated good. work. Yeah. I mean, a 3 3 ERA in that Gastonia ballpark over 113 innings. Pretty nice. Honestly, comeback um, player of the year potential there, too. He had a couple of rough years leading up into that. Yeah. So it's good to see that bounce back. Um, I, I'm going to say it. It feels like a Lancaster bias on the Andretti Cordero. Never mm. understood that. In fact, I was sitting at the ballpark while they were changing MVP for him, and I didn't understand at the time then. Full disclosure, like, I'm not sure he's in my top 10. Which is wild. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's there's so many other good options. I mean, even Ariel Sandoval's up there as a possibility. Mm-hmm. They didn't play as many games. Um, oh man, I mean, 
Melvin Mercedes is right there also. I mean, I it's hard to even differentiate between two of them. It seems like that weird RBI mm-hmm. bias because he had 116 at Ribbies, and it's like, yeah, cool, you'll do that when you have a good lineup around you full of guys who also could have won this award. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to go too hard on it. Andretti Cordero's a good dude. People like him, but it, I don't know. I, I legitimately do not know if he was going to be a finalist in my awards. <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it was a bit wild to me. All right. I mean, like, like Sorry, I don't, really I don't want to open that can of worms necessarily, but it, it should be said there were a lot of great candidates. It felt it's just like there was a lack of a runaway candidate, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, I just feel like, I mean, I got five off the top of my head. I don't know, man. It, it was that weird of a decision to me. I was like, I thought I opened it and I was like, they must have like put him at the wrong award, if I'm honest with you. That's that so that sounds awful, but like, like Jose Marmolejos was in. He was wild. Alex Dickerson was great with Long Island. Tom Dillard, the numbers he was putting up was silly. Dillard was one Boyd that I Smith thought Junior with Char- yeah. with Charleston quietly had an insane year. Uh, Drew Mendoza with York was number one. But he's a right. It's hard to judge him. He's a righty at that ballpark, okay. but like he didn't have a ton of home runs. It was not like he was relying on that that wall. So. Uh, I don't know. Good Ranger Eddie Cordero. Happy for him. He's good. Good young ball player who I like seeing, like with you know uh, some cred in the league, and um, that's good for the resume for him. It is just um, it wasn't. I don't know. It, it struck me. That's all. Yeah. Not going to start a rant against Drew Mendoza or against Andrew Eddie Cordero. That's not the energy I want to bring. Any case, uh, I will say this. Any case. Yeah. Any case. <laughs> yeah. The thing I just wanted to mention here, which is unrelated to award talk. You notice there's been a lot of guys that were in indie ball last year that we're seeing getting signed by LMB teams now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Roster rolls, right? That's got to be it for some of these guys. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think you're right on it. Yeah, I've just been noticing that a lot where it's like three, four, five, six guys just keep getting picked up here. Also, low key, if Jimmy Kerrigan goes back to Southern Maryland and does the same thing he did the last 40 games he was there. I feel like he's got MVP potential too because he had a really oh, solid 40 Oh, yeah, games. that was something. That was an attention grabber for sure. I love talking. That's, yeah, I was right about a guy where we're like, I'm not sure what to make of him. And then he was like, here's what to make of me. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, Poppy. You know, low key too. Now I'm looking at the stats because I really didn't look in it too much. Like I'd like over league leaders on the Atlantic League site, which is my mistake for just doing that. But Angel <laughs> Aguilar looks like he had a bit of a case. Like, not great, uh, but, like, given the fact that Stanton Island, and he's pretty much the only guy in Stanton Island, like, I feel like he has something to say. Because, like... I mean, if you... I mean... He's not great honestly, as an option, but... the exhaustive list of guys I had above Andretti Cordero was Melvin Mercedes, Xander Wheel, Ryan Grochagon, Ben Aklinski, Bobby Bradley, Zach Jarrett, Craig Dodello. Leobaldo Cabrera, on, uh, Angel Aguilar, Cole Cottom, Alex Dickerson, Jose Marmaleos, Tom Dillard, Dwight Smith Jr., Drew Mendoza. That's how far down Adam. And look, maybe I'm missing something. It's hard to get feeling metrics, but it's hard to believe he's worth that much in the field, if I'm being honest with you. Like, it is a little confusing. Damn. But, like, look, like, I don't know. I could be real, real wrong. But he led the know. league in sack flies. Third in total bases. Like third and total bases, first in RBI. I see it. I understand. But, I don't know. Twelve steals. All right. 
15 homers in that ballpark. All right. I don't know. Again, like Andretti Cordero, this is not an attack on him. It is a support of some of the other guys that are around. Right. Jesus, the Apollo Cabrera had a hell of a year. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'm like, damn, dude. Like, he, he didn't have that 300, which is what sort of spooks people off of him. And I think there's a lot of that old school mindset on the voting for um, Atlantic League awards. I think very average focused. Um, but there are some great players with, I don't know. It's, it's fine. Everything's fine. It's okay. Well, you know what isn't fine? I'll get that out of my system later. You want to know what isn't fine, though? What isn't fine? The Northern Cal Ripken Baseball League of Lexington. That's not fine. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. Do you want to intro that? I mean, yeah, I guess I should probably intro it. Um, yeah. I'll take that. So, uh, and as someone that worked in Lexington, you may have a little bit more information on this particular fundraiser, which mm-hmm. apparently Lexington does a fundraiser where they'll sell like a group set of seats to various groups and then. They give money to those groups, something to that extent, where it's like four thousand up front, but you're gonna get six thousand back, and we'll do a thing on the field where we'll give you the cardboard check and be like, "Hey, look, we're working in the community." So apparently, mm-hmm. they do a thing like that, uh, and this happened with Northern Cal Little League, and their president, uh, Justin Weiss or Weiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, claims that they've never actually got the money. They got the big paper check, and in the past, normally after the game, they'd get the actual real check, you know, the one you bring to the bank, mm-hmm. or it'd be put in the mail, and then you'd get it about a week or so later. Um, six months later, they still do not have the money. They, According to Weiss, he says, other leagues that participate also have not gotten the money. Uh, in their case, they need that to help fund the league. Um, mm-hmm. So... You know, they're kind of wondering, like, hey, where where's our money? Because it's not just a two grand check. It's six grand check because they had to put out the money for the you know fundraise to begin with. So I don't really know what much to make of it. It seems like Lexington still kind of is in shuffle in the front office end. And, you know, supposedly the team said that it's going to be handled. But, you know, it feels like a major oversight and I'm kind of concerned if you couldn't just, you know, take care of this before Mm -hmm. Memorial Day for what seems to be a relatively low expense. When it became an issue and now you still can't. So, all right, let me hop in here because I I can color in a lot of this. So, um, because I actually initially was hired in community affairs for Lexington. So I, I was... I was confused by this program at the jump because it is a familiar program that's weird in Lexington where um, essentially, you know, uh, the there's what I see at lots of teams are a deal where, hey, we're going to cut you a discount on these tickets. We give like 500 tickets, say half off. You sell them at face value. You keep that profit done. Okay. Um, what a lot of, you know, teams, end up, what a lot of places end up doing is like they don't even um, – like they don't even sell them. They just use it as like a perk of signing up, whatever. But a lot of the leagues need some money. So especially in that area, especially north of Lexington. So um, that's where you start to, you know, run some weird stuff. Where, where it threw me off of Lexington was uh, what they did was, all right, we approached the little league. We said, hey, um, and this is what was always going on. It was, uh, we're, we're going to put a banner out in uh, on your fence. You uh, get these tickets, discount tickets. 
and then you can sell them or keep them however you want to go about the, that. And then we give you like several grand on top of that. Um, and have some like little league day for you. And it never at every other team I've seen, because I've worked community fairs at other ball at other teams as well, and I've worked with other community fairs people. It was always there was a money making component for the team, uh, for the the yeah. uh, you know the the professional team, which was hey we're selling tickets that we probably wouldn't have sold, we're selling them half off, but we're moving that and we're getting people in the building, making money that way. Yeah, Lexington, and I'm a fan of the idea of even giving away free tickets. People come and spend money, sure. Yeah, but Lexington took that a step further. Like I would have been understanding if we give them free tickets to pay. That's what I'm saying. But Lexington took that a step further by saying, like, and we put money in your hand. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure that out because that was eating money. They were not generating that kind of revenue. Um, they were, that was essentially a donation to all the local little leagues. And there's a bunch. Yeah. And it was jarring to me to be like, okay, like, so we just take a loss on this for the sake of like good community, you know, work. And that might sound like, hey, Ryan, yeah, that's okay. I know that's okay. But as we all now know, is Lexington's front office at the time and now apparently now do not have the money to do things like that. Um, so it was very weird and confusing to me and kind of concerning to me to the point where I almost hesitated with reaching out to some of the leagues where we weren't seeing a big kickback from. I kind of talked to sales a little bit on that. Yeah. I was like, yo, like, if there were some leagues that are better off and probably don't need this and we don't really see a return from, like, do we, if they don't reach out to us, I might hold back on reaching out to them. Cause like, bro, like, yeah, yeah we're eating, like we're losing money and we're cutting employees. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, that, so that was the background. My, my feel is that I, I don't know this. This is just reading some tea leaves because I am unsurprised that this front office does not have money. Mm. Um, they already got into a bunch of things with this team where they were like, Oh, how much does that cost? I think the stadium was like that. I think um, maybe even the league was partially like that, but I think they did not understand how much this team was going to cost to run and how bad the damage to reputation was for the brand, which mm -hmm. is why they did the sudden rebrand. I think they got into a situation where they're already not, they're already not making money. They're doing the community affairs program, the one that they're always doing, the one they're expected to do. Don't want to make a bad name with the fans that way. And then they get to a point where they're like, oh, we got to put several grand like back to you and eat that. And it wasn't there. And it is that it is not there. The money is not there. It is obvious because it is not, oh, we're so sorry for misunderstanding. Like maybe, you know, sometimes there's weird staff turnover and that causes miscommunication on who was paid, who wasn't, whatever. Like this is people being like, oh, the money's in Nashville, which is where the owners are based out of. Oh, the owners, it feels Gastonia-esque of like, oh, the money's here, the money's there, we're moving some things around, whatever. And then they're like, well, we'll give you like a thousand or two thousand bucks in like, you know, goodwill payment, and then we'll get the rest to you in like a month or so. Yeah. But take down like the Facebook video you put up or whatever. Like, this is, yeah, there is not, that money is not there. And this is why Lexington baseball is an issue right now. And it has been an issue and the league needs to be thinking about it because they're the next guest don't you? Um, they were almost the next Gastonia and they narrowly avoided it last year by cutting all sorts of staff and running two teams with like four full-time staff members. Now with new ownership, I think they're equally a mess. They didn't know what they were getting into. They're ready to cut losses. I was hearing about three weeks ago, they're looking to sell that team. Um, honestly, you should see what they're looking to sell that thing for. It's low. 
I mean, it is, it is lower than you would ever think an Atlantic League team could go for, and that's not the only team kind of looking around that area. So, yeah, I think that's part of it, too. I think this is officially in the stage of, like, we'll maybe not even pay that bill because we're out of here, uh, which is a shame because that is exactly what happened with Andy Shea there, which, yeah. again, Charleston, good luck. Um, but Andy Shea obviously it did not intend to pay multiple bills, left multiple bills unpaid. Like, and by multiple, I mean dozens of bills unpaid in thousands and thousands of dollars range and then just left it for the new ownership and was like, peace. And I think that was also in the, the money that was, you know, they didn't expect to pay. And mm. now we're here and now they're probably going to do the same thing and the cycle continues. So it's frustrating to see as you sort of said, that I was able to sort of figure out exactly how I felt about it and really dig in my memory about what this promotion was supposed to be like. But yeah. I think that's it. I hope these teams see their money at some point. I hope, they put themselves and there's a bunch of little leagues, by the way, I'm hearing, I think it's, I, I would guess it's minimum a quarter of the leagues, probably more like half or more uh, that haven't seen that. Um, and then would yeah, that be like just, uh, eight or nine or would that be significantly more than just eight or nine leagues? I think total, there was about 20 to 30 they worked with off the top of my head. Okay. So we're looking like anywhere from as few as five to as many as say 15. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. Okay. So that's a significant number. Yeah. Yep, Damn. not good. And and it sucks, but like I talk about an unsurprising news story that should be shocking. I was like, yep, that's, yeah. Maybe a little faster than I thought it would be, but once you start hearing a whisper that they're looking to sell, like. No, there's right. something. There's a reason. Yeah, I think they're probably just looking to break even and get out. Maybe even that. Yeah. And the thing is. Which, they- hey, again optimistic take is maybe they'll be good. Maybe the right person will come in, but damn dude. See, and what, it. what gets me though, is they combined two promotions that could have just been separate promotions. You could have had mm. your own little league day where you do the ticket thing as you normally would money to, because teams donating money is not a foreign thing. A lot of them have foundations or will do some sort of community donation. That's not an unheard of thing, mm. but to do it in the way they did they essentially handicapped themselves into, hey, we're going to have 15 leagues come to this ballpark. By the way, it's going to cost us 30 grand. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's a large expense, no matter what we cut it. We went over like some of the expenses Sioux City had, and like, you look at what they're paying out, and it's like, 30 is a not insignificant number. Like, two grand to one party isn't that big of a deal. A two grand bill is what it is. But when it's to like over a dozen people, now it starts to add up. So that's just what gets me is that they thought that that was a sustainable way of running the promotion. And it kind of speaks to like, this was the way you decided to go about it. And like, the thing is too, I feel they could have done some sort of loss leader like that. If they would just knock the number from two grand on to say like $500, which obviously isn't a big number especially for a little league, but it's still money in hand. It still incentivizes you to do the promotion. And conceivably, if you reduce the number of leagues coming in to say seven or eight leagues that you really see a return on and maybe one or two where you'd like, there's potential here to get a higher return and you use that as like the carrot on the stick to get them in. I could see a way where you justify that to yourself where, hey, look, we're going to have to eat half of the loss on the tickets and it's going to cost us another 500 But this group, when they come in, they typically spend X percent more. 
we may be able to make that up in the aggregate. And over time, if we can pull one or two or three of them back as repeat customers, we'll get our 500 back and we'll go from there. Like there's a way you can make that work, but at two grand, it's just like for each kid, you're going to need like what about 50, 60 to come yeah, even it, on it. The math never works. And I think it was, yeah, yeah it was, it was probably higher than that. Like, yeah. and I just think, and what happened was, and this was a lot of what was happening at the time and seems to be still happening was the problem was it became the expectation mm. and very, and this was, uh, I'll say it was Andy Shea thing was, mm. it was, you know, you create this expectation, you make this grand promise, you have this great idea, this Bill Beck style idea without the follow through, without the understanding yeah. of the downstream consequences and the upstream like requirements to make it work. Um, and unfortunately it continues to leave a mess for people. I, I'm not free passing the current ownership. I think they really got into something in over the, they, they didn't research fully and that's on them. They made promises that they're not delivering on and they're taking a frankly chicken shit way out and they're avoiding people, um, mm -hmm. doing the same thing that Gastonia was doing, making people who answer the phone, you know, dodge and answer. And I was one of those people in Lexington at the time before there was a lot of people in that front office, good people who had to, you know, dance around talk about why things weren't paid and, and you know oh it's coming it's coming i get it that's why i was so mad about the gastonia thing i was so like willing to report on it it's because i lived it yeah. um but it's just so sad to see it still happening man listen it's a good town they deserve good stuff but i don't know man something wrong with this baseball team needs needs something needs a clean slate is what it needs and it just feels like you had at least the start of the promotion it just comes from like big man syndrome where you want to be the big guy on campus and then you quickly realize, oh, wait, there's a there's a major problem with that. <laughs> you know, we can't actually do that. So yeah. it's, it's very disappointing on that front. I mean, you don't want to see, you know, kids and little leaguers getting stiffed, which is exactly what's happening here. And what makes me wonder here is if they're stiffing them, what other causes have they committed money to that they're stiffing? Who oh, else doesn't I'm sure have a bunch. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. And like, this is a bad look, obviously, but there's a lot of other causes that I'm thinking of that if they don't, if they haven't paid yet, they may want to prioritize paying because all it takes is the right community affairs story. And it goes from being just like, oh yeah, they showed it one night on the news and that's all there really is to it, to holy crap, the local press is on us now and it's a problem. Yeah. I I've been surprised to see this. I, this crossed my head about a week ago and I was surprised to kind of see it so quickly, like circle around, hit the local news and it's still hanging around. Still getting people sending it to me. So yeah. it's still, I think in the infancy of starting to swing around fully. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. What's good news is we can postpone our game because we've managed to fill the full time slot. Go team. I know, really. And, and it's like like a reasonably timed episode too. So this will be a fairly quick one for me to edit as well. So I could do that a little bit later on. This is pretty solid, you know. And I can get to date night with Jackie and maybe, you know, awesome. get some well there. Great. So I mean the dog's not gonna get involved anymore, so this is good. It's fantastic. I will say a little something to to yeah. keep in mind maybe for next week. Um I have uh, partially from your talking and partially yep. from just seeing some chatter around. Um, I'm trying to get interested in hockey. 
I'm looking mm-hmm. to pick a team. So maybe next week will help me pick a team. You'll show up with some finalists and you'll help me sort of sort through. This sounds like a really fun idea. And I'm totally for it. Appropriate indie ball talk. What? (laughs) Hey, look, I'm just saying I have a high bias and I'm going to hammer the hell out of it. So there we go. It could be a really fun week and a really fun show. Oh, by the way, we were going to get to this if we had gotten to the game. But I feel like I can horseshoe this in the dying seconds of this show. Are we going to have rankings this week? We will. That's on me. Yep, my bad. I'll post them probably Saturday. I'll try to team it up with the episode coming out. Perfect. We had them done, end of year uh, rankings done, and then I completely drew a blank on uh, posting them before I uh, hit the road for a road trip. That's on me. I just figured I'd toss it out there so that we can get some promo going for it. So uh, shortly after this comes out, check the Instagrams. Check, uh, where can they check? Yeah, Instagram, Twitter. Um, Yeah, that'll basically do it. Uh, Indie Ball Nation. And any of our reports, they usually tag you in it and you end up reposting. Exactly. So check all those places for uh, for the rankings and whatnot and also for the show. Check the website to find show notes and all that jazz. So that's about all there is to it. Normally there's a bigger outro, but I'm actually trying to get us in in time. And I noticed we got about 60 seconds. So um, I don't think we really have much else here. Uh, we'll actually have a formalized off-season plan in the next week or so. So you can look forward to that. We'll work some games in. I'll try to get the recording thing settled so we can get interviews in and all that kind of fun stuff as well. So, um, yeah. With that said, I think we're pretty much good. Until next time, don't forget to play ball.